0: Oh, thank y'all. <laughs> Who was just talking? I don't even know. Bill Barr. Sounded like- <laughs> Bill Barr. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Ready in three,
1: two. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Big Payoff with your hosts, Rachel Bello and Suzanne Mushin. They've been best friends and business partners for 25 years, and over that time, they've learned how to make their work work for them,
0: and they want to help you do the same. Welcome back to The Big Payoff. I'm Suzanne, and I'm here with Rachel. And today, we want to talk about what it
1: means to have friends at work. Aw. You talking about me? Uh, You're my only friend at work. (laughs) Okay. well, this is actually up for us now because everything's changed about our relationship, our friendship in relation to our work. Our work, we still work together. We're still partners. But in fact, over the last eight months— year really, you've been working on your stuff alone and I've been working on my stuff alone, and I think we both are recognize, wow, we don't have our best friend inside our daily work. It's the strangest thing. Yeah. It it, it started to happen
0: when we launched Bonfire, mm-hmm. which was definitely going to be a Chicago based mm-hmm. endeavor and because of that. I was going to be in the lead, in the driver's seat on that. And also, I was teaching at Kellogg, and you took on the Omidyar. Right. You can say it in the French way you like to say it. Omidyar. <laughs> like, <laughs> Le Jean. Like, like, I take Iber, Omidyar. Um, and so we knew that we were going to have this geographically and, to some extent, intellectually bifurcated set of projects. And also, the strange awakening when we started To have big, large-scale, heavyweight meetings, and only one of us was going to be in them?
1: Right. And I was having these big, heavy-lift deliverables. Yes. And without – I mean, for the last, whatever, 20 years, neither of us had produced a work product without the other one. Like, in my case, I would just completely rewrite yours, and you would comment on mine and say it was great. I mean (laughs) – that was missing, and I or felt...
0: we'd be in a meeting, and everyone would be thinking, "What a bitch!" And I'd have to come in and basically warm up the room and, and right.
1: recreate the friendships. Right. But fluffer, right? But that and so that didn't happen. It didn't but happen. seriously, it really did feel very yes. disorienting. I mean, I would send off work product, going, uh, I, "My other pair of eyes did not see this." It was very disorienting and I didn't like it. And from a friendship point of view, I remember the recent we taped a live
0: podcast a couple of weeks ago, and I remember we walked into a room of women, many of whom I knew right. and you did not. I did not know them. And right. some of them were my friends and I remember thinking, "Oh, it was almost like I was with my boyfriend, but these were a bunch of ex-boyfriends or maybe You were like my ex and these were new boyfriends, but that feeling where I didn't want it to be awkward. Yeah. Where I thought, oh, that's so weird that these are friends that Rachel's doesn't know. Right. But the thing that I realized during that moment was, but actually you do and they know you. Because the strange thing about how close our friendship is at work, there's not a single person I know who
1: doesn't know about you. Right. You know, it used to be that, because I'm an identical twin, it used to be that in the first five minutes of meeting anybody, I had to let them know that I'm a twin because you can't know me without knowing that I'm a twin and you should, you know, it was like bringing Julie into the room. Now, I'm always saying we, and at a recent workshop where I where they didn't, they have ne- had never had contact with you. I was saying we throughout the – what we've discovered through our experience and what we know is – and one of the guys at the workshop who was from London said, um, you continually refer to we. Is that the royal we? <laughs> I said, well, no. no. You see my Siamese twin here. <laughs> and actually my therapist recently said – Like whenever Carl. I go – Well, yeah, Carl. Yeah. So, hi, Carl. Oop, shout out to Carl. <laughs> um, he may be listening to this podcast, but um, – I will say, well, when Suzanne and I – I always stop and go, Suzanne's my business partner. And recently, he was like, Rachel, (laughs) you can stop identifying Suzanne as your business partner. You've been with me for three years, and I know exactly who Suzanne
0: is. Well, my therapist has been with me for 24. (laughs) So she often brings you up when I don't. (laughs) So there's that. But it is true that I – really do sort of insist even now in this new iteration of our business lives that anyone who works with me professionally still understands our relationship like professors at Kellogg
1: know who you are right well where are all the ideas come from they have to know so but here's the thing (laughs) they're always disappointed when they meet you in person too because I (laughs) I make it sound like you're all that and then when they meet you it's disappointing so Yeah. yeah um I would argue that I mean we're we're saying yes we have a special relationship it is special it is unusual it's not something we can recommend because it's I've never had it before and I'll never have it again never Um, but I will say that that having a friend at work is actually not a luxury it is completely necessary to your experience at work we've all had experiences at a, a job. Where we don't have a friend and it's just barren. It doesn't feel nurturing. You don't run to work. It's what makes work feel human, right? And there are lots of roles that your friends at work play for you that you really, really need and you can't get from a purely professional relationship. And I'm kind of discovering that now in that I don't have a real friend at work. But as we've said, like, they witness your shit. Yes. And they will come to your office afterwards when you're like crying over something or then they'll go, it's OK. Or else they'll say, you know, you were a little harsh in that meeting or whatever it is they're witnessing empathetically. And
0: we did an episode on microdosing feedback. And even though we've had the luxury of true microdosing, like, you know, multiple times a day, because in part, the fact that we're on the phone so often, but a real friendship in the workplace does, in subtle ways, give you the kind of feedback that only a real friend at work can do—not your boss, not the quarterly, you know, formal sit-down feedback, but the kind of person who truly, after a meeting, can, by the way, also give you positive feedback and just go, "You did yeah, a really good job." That was, job. Really, great. It was yeah. really great. Yeah, great. Yeah,
1: and you trust it from a friend. It's not like right. I also want to say in terms of learning that we know from social and emotional development and all the work we've done in that, that all learning happens in relationship. And if that's true, then your friendly relationships at work is where your greatest learning is going to happen. And in our case, also, the social capital aspect is really important, that your networks and my networks are very different. And it expands our world. Right. Like, my networks are important and, and powerful and interesting. And
0: <laughs> oh, here it comes. I, I tend to drag <laughs> Rachel along with me and have to explain her creds. But um, it is, in all seriousness, your social capital in the office, let alone if you're in biz dev or in a business role where you have to earn the people's trust by who you know, your friendships – Immediately double that yeah. if you use them well and properly because you endorse each other in a really authentic way. It, it,
1: that matters a lot. You know, all of this about having a friend at work, completely true. Go get one. Pay one if you must. <laughs> but I'm, I do want to say, and we'll, we'll get into this in the next segment, that having a work friend, being a work friend, is different from being a friend outside of work. And if you mistake those two things... And if you think that intimacy of friendship at work is the same as outside, you are in trouble. You're fucked. Yeah. So there are really three fundamental ways that um, the friendship at work is complicated, and we're going to talk about that next. One is money, right? That's very complicated. Power. Power right, which comes up at work in a way that doesn't outside of work. And the other is context. You are friends in this situation, and you need to take that into account. We're going to explain all of that when we come back after the break. So, Rachel,
0: we've said that work friendships are essential. They make the workplace more human. But let's talk about what complicates those relationships and why you should never confuse why your friendships at work are actually fundamentally
1: different than your friendships outside of work. So let's talk about the first one, which is money. Boy, that is so complicated. We should probably do a separate show on this. But let's the reason that money is so weird and makes friendships so weird, You never talk about it outside of work. You just – there's no occasion to. But at work, it's always about what people are making. And let's just – you know, money doesn't really exist. It's a symbol for something else. And in this case, it's a symbol for how valued you are, right? And if you learn that somebody who has pretty much your job is getting paid more than you, then it immediately suggests they love this person more than me. Right, yeah. and it's just a huge, complicated thing, and you can't ask what someone's salary is. Such an awkward, And how many times, thing. coming up in the workplace, have we had the situation where we found out because you saw people's paychecks? I think every single person has an experience where they're like, "What the fuck? I saw somebody's paycheck, and he's making what?" Yes, it's such a strange element of a friendship
0: to think that everything is normal until that moment. It's like an elephant in the room. The other thing about money, which I'll just tell a, a quick story about, is that it can completely shift the way you have to interact with someone who you thought was your friend. Yeah. So I had this experience in my job at my main 11-year heavy lift at Civitas where I had one of those dynamics with someone I truly thought was like a work brother. I use that term a lot. And I was the executive director and he was the senior fellow of an institute. It was sort of like at a theater, like at the executive yeah. director and the creative director. So we were, quote, equals and really partners. We would laugh all the time. We were up at night doing work together, not in the same space. He was in Texas. Mm-hmm. I was in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't go there. And yet he was on the board of directors also. So to some extent, I also reported to him, which was a little weird. But also because I was the executive director, I controlled the budget for his institute. And then one day I had to cut his budget, like eliminate it for a variety of reasons. That whole process of needing to navigate a friendship, the money, the power.
1: Right. This is also about power. So let's get into that because that is treacherous. Like power comes up in promotions, Right when When your friend gets oh. promoted and you don't, or I had a situation where I had founded this company, and the woman I brought in almost right away was the I made her the program director or whatever. After a year, she was like, "Rachel, um, I would like to be referred to as your partner." I knew that there were reasons that I could not do that, that the board and the money and everything were there because of me and not because of her. And it was a weird thing I was going to have to claim. Whatever was going on inside me, I was really clear. You are not going to be my partner. You are not going to be – that ended our friendship. Yes. For a while. We're friends again. But it really did end our friendship. It's friendship friendship ending. This ended my friendship also. Yeah. So money and power, which are often intertwined. You just can't confuse
0: those things because they don't in a in a normal friendship, even if money is exchanged on Venmo
1: or you owe someone money, it is not the same thing. No, it's not. And then there's the final reason that work friendships are just not the same as outside friendships, is how many times have you had the experience where you feel as if you are best friends with somebody at work, and then you leave and go to another job, and you just dump them. It's <laughs> basically, you pull a geographic and you go, I'm no longer here, so I have dumped you. So last night at my home, I hosted a dinner for the
0: five TAs that I just worked with for the last, you know, since the summer, literally. I mean, in, in back and forth and back and forth, really tight-knit group of people. Three of them are continuing on with me into the winter and the spring, but two of them are done Mm -hmm. because they are the TAs for a course that's not repeating. And I joked at the table, but I was kind of serious. And Rebecca and Gavin, I know you listen to this podcast and I love you so much. So I'm just using this as a case in point. That's funny. I jokingly said to them,
1: "Okay, so probably won't see you guys again. No, but listen, Rebecca and Gavin, it may very well be the case because I'll tell you, there was a woman, and I'm going to name her name because if she listens to this podcast, she needs to call me because it would be so amazing. Like I don't even know where this – I haven't seen this person for 30 years. Shelly, we were best friends when we worked at the 92nd Street Y. She ran the poetry center. I ran the education center. We were like best friends. I knew everything, like abortions and like everything. Okay. I left well, the nineties. Big reveal. Does not she, mine. I know. Not I mean hers. Oh, Does know she it. know that? No, I don't know. She probably her last name isn't. She could be dead. It doesn't matter. That baby. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> okay. But I wanted to give an example of how intimate it was and how lightly I treat that friendship by <laughs> revealing it Literally. on the air. Right. So. And that wasn't it. Like she, she – oh, my God. She was with a married man. It's like what okay, secret let's, can okay. I tell Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So – Yes. Yeah. And then there was her uh, personal oh. hygiene okay. issue. Right? Can we <laughs> –
0: okay. yes. Okay. And what so, happened to and, that friendship? But yes. then
1: I left the Y very suddenly and went somewhere else. I literally – did not. I just was like, okay, so that was then. You know, I just put her in my rearview mirror, and I now had a whole new group of friends. And she contacted me at some point, like three months later, going, I don't understand. What has happened here?
0: Ouch. I was talking this morning about a woman at Teach for America, Nita Voleb, who once made me, in the early days of Teach for America, first of all, tell her. We love Nita. Nita. Tell her if... She was a situational friend,
1: (laughs) or a real friend. She would make you okay, and then
0: she made me map out (laughs) all of our the people. And Teach for America was very social in those days because we were like a hundred of us under the age of like. 20, no, like under the age of 24, very social. She made me map out everyone into these circles of like, are they a geographic friend? Are, are they, they a abort- right? <laughs> are they a situational friend or are they a real friend? And where would I put everyone? But she was spot on. Yeah. Like I didn't understand it at the time, but she was a hundred percent right. We should
1: recommend to you that, that you map, your, that. Friend, that you you map, map your, your friends, and it will become clear to you. And then you should show it to everybody. So just they know where they stand. (laughs) So true. My advice. Yeah, so true. So this is true, that context
0: does matter. And there are lots of different – it's not just geographic. It's just work in and of itself is a context. And that dynamic of spending all this time together and the natural rhythm of that creates a kind of – incubator and lab for conversations, for shared experiences, for reasons to have each other's back, that once those things are gone, you really do have to ask yourself the question, so
1: what was the underlying fabric of the relationship? And sometimes those I was just going to say sometimes it lasts. In fact, I had a drink with someone last night where I realized Yes, this is not a situational friendship. Give her a little shout out. Hey, Cornelia. You're a real friend.
0: Hey, Cornelia. Look at my map. Wait, we should give her a shout-out because one time we used a fake name
1: for somebody on this show. What did we call her? Cordelia or something? No,
0: it was somebody else. Oh, no,
1: we used a fake name for her. No, we used a fake name for her. This is her real name. This is her real name, and we really do like her, and she really is our friend.
0: So when we come back, we are going to help you navigate all of the landmines that we've just laid out because we're going to come back to the case that you do need friendships at work, They're the lifeline. They're your humanity at work. So let's make sure when we come back, we let people know how to navigate the
1: friendships in ways that will help them create healthy ones. Right. I mean, it's only fair for us to tell you that this is, you know, treacherous territory or it has some landmines, but we're not going to leave you there. Don't worry. So we're back and we're going to now give you real handholds so that you can navigate this territory because – and we know what they are because we've experienced this all ourselves. We're not speaking from some abstract textbook here. We have massively fucked up friendships at work. Suzanne has and I've watched and it's been just so (laughs) not pretty. And so we're here to like give you concrete advice on what to do. And let's start with the number one advice that – pretty much any therapist will tell you about anything, which is consciousness. You just have to start out being conscious of the fact that the friends you make at work are not the same as your friends outside the work. And let's spell out what that means. Um, So
0: I I will admit, because I laughed when Rachel said that, I made a lot of mistakes in our company at ROI Ventures. And it was easier for me to make the mistakes because I was there living in the context that we just talked about day to day, making real friends with real people, I thought, in (laughs) the context. But because I didn't have the consciousness, when it came time to make tough decisions about money, about contracts,
1: bonuses, Titles.
0: titles, all of which I had to do as the CEO of the company, Friendships ended. Yeah, ended, ended by their more at their end than mine, and it was jarring for me to say, "Wait, what?" And it was because I
1: forgot. Yeah. Well, so we need to. One thing that might help you remind yourself and remain conscious is, instead of calling them work friend, you know, friends, because these aren't really friends, even though they're. I don't know. Real can can we rebrand the term work Yeah, friend? that's a good idea. Yeah. Pr-
0: so so oh. you should call them like a um co-wenships? <laughs> a a a pro-worker for
1: <laughs> fur, uh, forking. Fur- f- <laughs> <laughs> I think you're furks.
0: You're um uh well they're not your friends. They're your oh co- wait, your are <laughs> i don't like that one okay no so i think work friends is as close as we're gonna no, get. no i i don't i think we could do better i think we could ask listeners actually i think our right. listeners
1: could could write in and as a prize as a prize if you win you can become our we podcast would... friend <laughs> no we'll
0: come up with a good prize i think you okay. should get a gift card To La Colombe, which Rachel purchased for me this morning with real money. Did you use money or did you take this? I don't think I paid her.
1: I think I just walked out. (laughs) No doubt you did. Um, Well, here's another piece of advice, okay? And it's the opposite of what you would normally do in a friendship. And I'm giving a shout out to my therapist on this. Like, really, I have learned, Carl, that this is not something to do outside. But on the inside, in your work friendships, you need to protect yourself. You need to really don't overshare. Don't give them open access to everything about your abortions, for example. (laughs) Um, And like even inviting them to your home is a little dangerous, right? You've got to stage the friendship over time. Don't just rush it and do the kind of thing you would do in a friendship. Yeah. There's a lot of oversharing at work that mm-hmm. I think people
0: mistake for being vulnerable or being intimate that really does cross this line to, wait, I just gave someone a lot of information, and if we aren't, quote, real friends, that information becomes
1: in both inappropriate and potentially dangerous. You know, Susanna, reminds me that how many times in our working life together has someone said something in confidence to me or to you? And it's like, and then we immediately call the always. other. And it's like, what, did they think we're not going right. to share this? Right. right. And we always say that
0: to each other. We're like, wait, that's so weird. They don't know that right. we working have this at- back channel,
1: like 100 100%. 100%. So, but you really, so... You, so You know, that's actually an object lesson because whatever you're sharing, you can't count on if it's in the other person's best interest, they're not sharing it with somebody else the way you can with a real friend. You can really count on that. Right. Right. So Um, so they're your (laughs) frolic. Enjoying that term. I'm actually thinking of dumping you as a friend right now. You
0: can't because you'd have no more. (laughs) You would have no more. That's true. Um, And I will also say you should take your time because there are people at work almost like your freshman year at college, where oh my god, you are in the dorm.
1: You know, you think the people on your floor. You're so desperate when you get to college, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. And I tell everybody this in their first three months at college, like don't. Yes. Either sleep with that guy or make friends with that person on your dorm floor and promise them lifelong, you know, don't get tattoos together because in about six months you're going to do the freshman dump. Yeah. So take your time. That's the thing. Really listen,
0: watch, and and take your time before you even figure out who those friendships are because – who you meet in those first weeks are likely not going to be the people that end up being your real work friends down the road.
1: You know, all of this is true, and yet that is not at all what happened with us. I know. It was really weird. I remember, you know, meeting you at the Whitehall Hotel for breakfast, being introduced by your boss, by Jeff, and I had come into Chicago, and we sat down at the table, and it truly was like love at first sight. It was just like okay, Jeff, you can leave the table. This person is actually seeing the world the way I do, which was quite unusual at that point. Like, nobody else saw it in that fucked up a way. (laughs) It was really, really helpful. And we just
0: immediately... There was trust. Yeah. There was trust right away. There was mutual respect. There was shared vocabulary. There was...
1: And Uh, we were looking for... We were looking for a work soulmate because our respective views of our particular work territory was so unusual i didn't i hadn't met anyone who like understood no. what i was talking about right we both had um
0: a sense also of what it meant to want to be bigger like punch yeah. above our weight and to accomplish something big but we also understood how important Our lives were. So we we knew how to have this conversation every day that was really fluid. I had just had a baby.
1: You were still pregnant. Oh, wait, I was still pregnant. You were still pregnant. And that was actually the earliest recognition was this is someone who's hugely ambitious but who absolutely Needs her life. Yes. And isn't going to be a workaholic and isn't going to drag me into that. And those boundaries, I was so relieved. grateful and yeah. relieved to find someone who wasn't going to shame me for like, yeah. no, I don't work on the weekends. Right. Of course, now I do. but <laughs> And so we made a pact
0: non-verbally yep. and later contractually, but non-contractually, <laughs> which is for another show on money that we will talk about. We basically entered a marriage. We did. With each other. We did. And we should talk about that on another show. I think it kind of, um, it blows people's mind when they hear about what we've done. But we have. Where we decided that our friendship was a real friendship. Yeah. And that we would put that above all else, actually, even when it wasn't good for business, right? literally, yep. when it wasn't good for the business, wasn't good for a project, wasn't good for a client. It didn't me- Like, we so understood that we had the a- The value of, of us yeah. was
1: greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. It really was.
0: yes, yeah. So that, I, and I don't know how many other people will ever have that relationship or that friendship, but I think it all comes back to what we said at the top of the show, which is there is a difference- and you need to understand the difference. I think we did know the difference and we made a choice. Yeah.
1: And we were pretty mature in our careers. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, the first friend I ever right. had. Right. Or the first job we ever had or any of that. All right. That's enough of that, Suzanne. How about doing a um,
0: check it out? OK. Let's check, right, check it out. out. Check it 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 out. Check it
1: out. My check it out check comes Courtesy of Lily Bellow, my daughter. And it is a life changer. I don't even think she uses this anymore because when I'm at her house, I don't see it. But oh, my God. OK. So first of all, I noticed, as you maybe do, that I was using so many paper towels. Oh. I just used it for everything. I mean, oh, when When people would say, for example, like, what can you not live without? Paper paper towels. towels. Oh, my God. For cleaning stuff, for everything. And I realized this is really bad. And Lily is my sort of resident eco-fascist. She keeps me honest about plastic and about waste and about everything. So I no longer flush the toilet ever. I, like, just – I'm really good about it. But if you go to food52.com, food, the number 52.com, and then in the search uh, in the dialogue box put – Reusable paper towels. And there before you will appear for like $32, three rolls of reusable paper towels that are unbelievable. Each one lasts a week. And you can use it for everything you would use a paper towel for. It feels slightly spongy, but it's in the shape of a paper towel. It's unbelievable. And you clean it. By putting it in the microwave for 30 seconds and it completely disinfects it. It is amazing. And I buy now maybe one bounty pack every couple of months. Oh, Oh, one bounty pack.
0: Right. Because I was going to say. I was doing it like every other day. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I feel so much better about myself.
0: And you should too. Okay. All right. My Check It Out. I, I'm a little ashamed by because I was. Um, I think I might be the last person on the planet, women who know about this. But I'm going to say it anyway because it was new to me. And this particular brand, tampons. Are you using
1: tampons? And... <laughs> <No. laughs>
0: this particular brand and color was was truly a, a game changer. So, am I the only person who doesn't know about
1: liquid lipstick? Uh, I don't know about liquid lipstick.
0: Really? I got really shamed last night by a whole group of people who were like, wait, I think you're the only one who doesn't know. I mean, about- I
1: know about like the lip stain from Benefit. No, it's
0: like liquid what? lipstick as a category. No, I've mean, never heard okay, of it. Okay, that it quite literally goes on, does not dry your lips, stays on indefinitely, like more or less indefinitely. Gorgeous. I watched it in action last night for like four hours, wine glasses, nothing comes off, but here's the color. That looked good on everyone of wildly different shades. Sha- I, I've never seen anything like it. Okay. This was recommended to me by Emily Angel. I told her I would give her the shout out. She's a little afraid to be shamed by you given what you did to Sean. Okay, Emily. You but just, come on. You can get it at Sephora. It is Kat, K-A-T Von V O N D, Kat Von D. Everlasting liquid lipstick.
1: I'm just saying. It was I, I this could be a I'm game changer. I'm saying this could be I, the first time that your check it out actually matters <laughs> to me. Saying. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks for listening to the big payoff and remember to rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Really, we beg you. Also, we've been getting some very interesting questions from our listeners and we want more. Keep sending them. So we hope to do a listener mail episode where we answer all of your questions on air. And you can reach us at info at bigpayoffradio.com. Don't be confused, it's a podcast, it's not radio, but when we made that URL, it was radio. This episode of The Big Payoff was recorded by
0: Shelley Steffens at WBEZ in Chicago, and we are produced by Lily Bellow and mixed, edited, and scored by Ryan Derringer at Welterweight Sound. See you next time.